Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodies, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? Foodies, just like the last time I spoke to you, I... Well, I didn't disclose any information. I didn't with... Or is disclose? Withhold? I think that's better. Withhold information from you. I, I didn't withhold it this time. It just so happens that the day the last episode came out, and I hope you enjoyed that one, that first cut episode with Michael Conrad Tavrez. Uh, if you're from the Dallas area or you know in Texas, around there, go follow him on Instagram. Go to his pop-ups because his food looks amazing. I can't wait to try it when I'm eventually down in Dallas again someday. But anyways, uh, that Wednesday, I found out that I tested positive for COVID-19. I am fine. I have had, like, zero symptoms. Like, I'm an asthmatic, so this whole during this whole pandemic, I've been very nervous and very cautious. But uh, it was, yeah, a, a recent time of... Seeing a few friends, that that's what uh, how I got it, and uh, I'm just incredibly lucky. And uh, if the, the day this comes out, the next day will be the the ten days since I took the test, which is when doctors say if you don't have symptoms, that you're no longer have to quarantine. So yeah, gonna be back out there, and uh, you know at least be able to walk into a place and grab a cup of coffee, obviously stay very safe and just keep the socializing to a very, very bare minimum. Cause like you heard last time I had to miss out on Thanksgiving, but that's just cause I knew I came in contact with someone that came in contact with someone. And then that person ended up getting in and I got it. So anyway, um, totally healthy unless I am a new statistic that after 17 days now since I came in contact with that person <laughs> that I would start showing symptoms, but it's usually the 14 days. So doing pretty well on that front. Uh, it's not my balanced diet. I can tell you that much, but anyway, all the serious stuff aside, got a really fun, lovely, silly, warm, awesome movie we're talking today. With all those adjectives I just said to describe the movie, they describe my guests as well. Returning to talk another 
Wes Anderson film. We talked the Grand Budapest. Now we're talking Fantastic Mr. Fox, Brian Wadsworth. One of my favorite people to talk movies with. And hey, we're also talking another. This is a rolled doll. So we talked Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory with Dave Sedantis, what, a month ago now or so? And uh, yeah, here we go. Me talking with Brian. Love it. Where'd you get the Chilean sea bass from? All right. So trying to eat healthier um, and not eat as much like red meat, which we rarely do now. Uh, That's good. I I, I eat a lot of, I don't know. I guess I'm pretty balanced between like chicken, salmon, pork, and red meat, I guess. Yeah. I I saw that sandwich with the brisket and the (laughs) corn and the avocado. And I was just like, that is like, if I could have a dream sandwich, (laughs) that's what it would be. Like, it's like all those elements I just love. Yeah, that's Um, from a place called Hamilton Pork, which is right next to Hamilton Park in Jersey City. Well, (laughs) I'm so happy that's really close because I'm going to have to go there now. Well, there you go. Yeah take you there when you're up here and uh you gotta show me around the foodie scene in in yes. philly the philly foodie scene uh what philly what, foodie scene exactly well brian you know what we're just we're, we're just in it we've been we're talking so brian wadsworth thank you for coming back onto foodie films no it's a pleasure to be here i had an amazing time last time uh kyle as always any of our conversations is always a wonderful thing and I cherish them and they're always amazing. Yeah. So, and in this crazy I, world, it gives me, it keeps up. It helps me keep me sane. Let's just leave it at that. Oh, I need anything to help me help keep me sane these days. Just, <laughs> just news, uh, uh, personal and world and everything in between. Um, we still, since the last conversation or la- you know, our last, uh, uh, talk well, the, I should, or I should just say the first time you were on Foodie Films, and we talked the Grand Budapest Hotel. And we've got another Wes Anderson film for you today, but before we get yes, in, before we get into that, we're going to talk a lot, you know, talk some food, catch up. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but yeah, we 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 never we didn't meet in person. The summer was just uh, I don't know. The summer was the summer, and it went by too fast. And here we are yeah. in a world where uh, there's uh, sp- you know, spikes again with COVID. So uh, I, I know I know we will eventually hang out, but oh no, def- yeah. most definitely it it will happen. Um, I've heard that when spring comes, that's when vaccines bloom. <laughs> I don't know, that's just, yeah, what's that the, was just dumb. <laughs> a- April showers bring COVID vaccines. Scenes. and what do COVID vaccines bring? Uh, Get togethers. <laughs> doesn't rhyme at all. It's horrible. I don't know why. Hugs. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> but how, yeah, so how, how, how are you doing? Well, we are, we are doing well. Um, again, the summer was um, just one of those things where like, you know, I was working. I Well, I'm now back in the office working mornings from 4 a.m. to noon. I think last time we spoke, I was working evenings. Okay, yeah, um, and for and for, obviously, guys, go back and listen to the Grand Budapest Hotel episode. But uh, you you work for NFL Films. Yes, I do post production. I work on Good Morning Football. But other than that, um, me and my wife, we uh, Nicole, um, she 
we we took up surfing this summer. I did it back in the day and kind of fell off. So like every weekend, literally fell May, off. Literally fell off. I still <laughs> fall off technically. I mean, no, not even technically. I do fall off. You 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 fall off the board. I don't think I've ever tried time. surfing. It is a wonderful thing. Um and I absolutely love it. My wife loves it. Uh, it's something I wanted to get back into. And when you can't go places and eat things at amazing places, at amazing restaurants, what do you do? You go isolate yourself in a rubber suit in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. And as Paul that, Rudd that, said it in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, <laughs> when life gives you lemons, you say, fuck the lemons. Let's go surfing. <laughs> let's bail. Yes. <laughs> let's yes. bail and go surfing. And, yeah. and just like surfing, and as <laughs> as I quote Kuno of Paul Rudd. Uh, P-P-O-P. Um, you, P-P-O-P. Uh, <laughs> You're you're doing too much. No, 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 you're not doing enough. No, 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 you're doing too much. Ah, fuck it. Let's go out in the water. You'll get it from there. So that's a that's very, very, very much the the mindset. You got to have fun with it. But like, hold on. I want to get back to the Chilean sea bass. Yeah. So you sent me this had picture of Chilean sea bass. So yeah. What, what's up? And great and so, great and a great uh, Jurassic Park reference. <laughs> of uh no uh what wait what's the line no 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 spare no expense there we go we spared no expense you spared no which, expense i was very proud of myself to remember the chef's name alejandro i really hope alejandro was would be proud of what we cooked and i just hope he made it off the island you know i hope he made it off the boat you know he's like that working class guy like there's the working class guys who like help get the raptors in the cage and like got eaten at the beginning you know, like the cold open of the... Oh, room. yeah. Shooter! Shooter! Um, but, like, Alejandro, like, he cooked a meal and, like, you know, the kitchen looked clean when, like, the raptors came through it and they were, like, eating all the ice cream and the jello. Like, he, you know, he might have left so quickly, he didn't even put the desserts away. That's true, yeah. That whole spread was left out there, so I think Alejandro hightailed it, so good for him. Yes, he, he got on the boat. I'm going to say Alejandro <laughs> got on the boat. That, that is my head cannon. But this Chilean, I, I don't know if I've ever, I've had sea bass before, specifically Chilean, I'm not sure. Well, Chilean sea bass is completely not what it is, number one. Okay. Is, I believe, and you, you can or you may not quote me on this, and the internet trolls can hate me, but I believe it is a form of black cod that lives in the South Atlantic Pacific um, in deep waters, I don't want to say close to the Antarctic, but they're they're massive fish, like they're huge. Okay, and like, yeah. If you when when you, like so to eat healthier in this time of COVID, being from home and supporting local businesses, of course, uh, we decided to get a frozen fish delivery service. Ah. so it's called Sizzlefish.com. I don't know if you want me to advertise that or not. That's fine. Sizz- um, Sizzlefish. Sizzlefish. And Say that five times fast. <laughs> sizzlefish, sizzlefish, sizzlefish. Yeah, that's a, that just happened. And that's when Brian got kicked off the podcast. <laughs> um, so pretty much you get, for a certain amount of money, you get so many fillets a month. And for like $6 more, you can get the premium choice. Ooh, and the Sizzlefish exactly. premium. Yes. The and it SFP. Gives you like, the SFP. Prime member, you know. Yeah. I think it's called Sizzlefish Prime, I nice. think. Nice. But out of out of all these fish subscription things, you know, because everything's a goddamn subscription box these days, 
you get like I think like eighteen different choices of fillet, all different kinds of freshwater and saltwater fish. So it's a great way to explore what you might like. Okay. And try new things, and you we get fourteen fillets a month, which is seven meals, uh, and we cut that with like a vegetarian, like two fish meals a week, plus like a vegetarian meal here and there, and then like chicken or whatever you know and it, try to eat more balanced more vegetables so on and so forth but one of the options for the premium and the prime was chilean sea bass and did you and do it just because of jurassic park you know <laughs> most likely yes because i'm pretty sure when you make your selection every time every you make your selection like you can deliver it once a month once a week so on and so forth. we do it once a month and every time I click Chilean sea bass, I'm like, we will spare no expense. And like, I do this <laughs> kind of awkward turn to camera four, which really doesn't exist in my office because I'm breaking the fourth wall as my wife is working in the corner. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm just like, I talking to camera four, of course, <laughs> and then, but there's no camera and it's just me being dumb. So there's no camera but yeah. that you know of. I mean, there, you know, there's like eight. <laughs> There's like eight cameras in this room right now, so I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> we already know the Google Home listens to everything. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Ugh, getting spied on all the time. I'm not hiding anything. They can listen to my boring conversations. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're Listen, this conversation is going to be riveting because, A, we've already talked about Chilean sea bass vaccines, and we're going to be talking about movies. Exactly. So. Yes. <laughs> You don't know where we're going. You don't know. No one knows where we're going no, with this. No one, where's, no one knows where we're going with this. Exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> we're off the rails already, but uh, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you guys are, are doing well. And uh, of course, uh, supporting local businesses. And we, um, we had one attempt at uh, recording this and uh, I mean, we didn't have the conversation or anything like that, but th- through that, we uh, had, had a, uh, like a half hour conversation. We were just talking like, philly food scene which again i just i am very uh don't very unknowledgeable towards so uh definitely something that when when visiting you i need to step up my my philly food scene game because you know all i know is cheese steaks and the uh roast pork sandwich but i'm sure i i know you guys have a a thriving food scene it's it's right. It is thriving and it is struggling, but yes, I mean struggling is, like like yeah. obviously many are d- during yeah. during this pandemic. But yeah, but that being said, I think out of a lot of areas, Philly's food scene has adapted extremely well to this current climate. I've been to some other places to go eat, and I like you know in other cities, and I always feel like Philly is just not pretentious about. It's food scene. Yeah, they, just from, from pictures I see in places, you know, whether it's something I follow on social media or people such as yourself that I know that maybe if you, if you post something, yeah, it doesn't seem pretentious. It, it almost has like a home-cooked meal vibe to it. I don't know. There's something, you know, there's something it's, to it's, it. You're, 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 in, you're right there. It's, it's home-cooked, but it's like come to our home and eat yeah enjoy a meal with us elevated home cooking it's it's wonderful it's imaginative i think not as like exclusively creative as like some restaurants like to be philadelphia's food scene is imaginative and fun but it's extremely accessible the city has adopted me as a uh hopefully a full-time residence for 
from here until the foreseeable future. That's so awesome. It's yeah, a, it's, it's 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 it feels like home to me. This city. That's that's so. one of the best things you know you can feel and ask for is to feel at home somewhere. Get a you know have a sense of community, and if it's got great food as well, then you're in it. You know, just yeah. relish it. No pun in, food pun intended. As long as you can. Uh, I want to. I want to. <laughs> you're so corny. <laughs> oh. Um, I, I want to actually continue from g- go from what you're saying as far as imaginative and put that towards the film at hand today, which oh, is yes. Fantastic Mr. Fox, 2009, Wes Anderson. So like I said before, we're, we're continuing with, with Wes Anderson. I don't think he has any other, there's definitely food scenes in other movies, but this, um, I don't know. What do you, uh, well, you know what? Like we did last time, when did you first see it? What do you think of it? And then with that in mind, what do you think is uh, more of a foodie film? Fantastic Mr. Fox or the Grand Budapest? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to show you my full hand right now. I'm going all in. Okay. (laughs) That this is, this is one of the, this might be the most foodie film I have ever seen. Wow. Um, and this is after watching it for like the 10th time. I also own it on Blu-ray and it's just watching it with the mindset. Oh, this is, I'm watching a film about food now. Mm-hmm. I made a list of all the things they eat. Oh, and perfect. Awesome. It is, it is amazing. And the, the amount of just. Like they're eating in every scene, pretty much. Someone is eating. <laughs> like, and there's there's this beginning image. Like the film begins with food and ends with food. Number one, like the last scenes we see, and it's actually one food that is almost like in its natural form, and then its most processed form, which I didn't realize and notice that. And again, I'm not digging into like what this means about the universe and stuff. Yeah, th- and like uh, thematically exist. necessarily, yeah. <laughs> But it's got to mean something, and I think only Wes Anderson can answer that for me. I would, I mean, I'm gonna, and and you as well. But like, you know, only he knows what he wanted that to mean. I mm-hmm. think at the end of the day, um, but this film is wonderful. It like I watched it like two and a half times over the past two weeks, <laughs> um, and I'm just like, this film is, it's dynamic. It's fun, and there is so much food in it, Kyle. Kyle, apple, squabs, copscomb jelly, gosling jelly, percolator coffee, French toast, butter, minnows, chickens, donuts with smashed goose liver, alcoholic cider, blueberries, live chicken, brown sugar, smokehouse filled with meat, wheat, oats, some sort of leg of meat, could be pork, whole smoked turkey, sausages, yeast. There's a there's multiple <laughs> packages of yeast in this film, by the way. Variety, variety of smoked... An uncooked bird, fish, plate of tomatoes. Um, there's like a mid, like there's a Gatorade commercial in this, by the way. Roast carrots, mashed potatoes, French fries, cauliflower, white wine, a thing of rolls, cooked sausage, beets. There's a professional chef who's also a rabbit. Chicken on a spit. Um, they're drinking pre-dinner aperitifs at the dinner party. Uh, they are drinking some sort of fruit punch at the party. Um, there's gravy. There's red wine. Um, my one of my favorite things about this film, and we can touch back on it, is that when they're having the massive dinner, 
in the, in the sewers. Uh, sewers. Mm-hmm. There's a long shot of the table, and on the left, the little mouse who's like the um, who makes the clothing. I forget that word for a human who a tailor. Um, <laughs> they have him on a chair on a table with an elevated dinner tray on top of the table, so he himself can enjoy dinner with all these other large animals. That's awesome. Um, I didn't catch that. Me- it's it's wonderful. It's it's such a like I was like oh my god that's so cute. Um, <laughs> There's like a there's like a massive like dugout fruit with other fruit and jelly in it cheeses um and like there's also like a bowl of shredded raw meat in front of Doctor Badger uh, during that scene but that's just a small part of the list I have <laughs> <laughs> that, that's and that's definitely not a short list uh just the, yeah the only only for me the only thing that's uh coming to mind that you you didn't mention is I think towards the climax of the film when they are like fighting the townsfolk there's a there's a bakery in town yes oh my god yes <laughs> also you can't forget about um mrs beans uh nutmeg ginger apple snaps oh yeah the trap that so, they are exactly i mean be smart in your yes. indulgences which is which is kind of not it's not just about indulgences for mr fox here but it is it is it is part of it but it's also it's the thrill it's it's uh, as far as a thematic level it's about getting old and letting things you know maturing as far as his heist uh you know and everything that comes with that goes which i i um i I tried to think about and without looking at a list of films i have covered and films that i still will cover on foodie films i think this is the only one that's a heist film which is which is kind of cool i feel like there could be more food-based uh heist movies out there just just by the fact i always think of um my the first first cut episode i ever did was with uh guest pat lafrida and when he took me on a tour of his you know of his facility with all the meats and everything like that and all these aged you know crazy meat lockers he has two of them in which at all times there's two million dollars worth of meat I was about to say, like, this is, is is he like the charcuterie guy who's got that book? I, I don't, I feel, yeah, 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 he has a book. He's one of the biggest, he supplies to over a thousand restaurants daily in New York. I mean, okay, yeah, yep. it's, All right. yeah, crazy, crazy, awesome uh, guy. I call him like my food godfather. Um, so Fantastic Mr. Fox, I'm assuming, I mean, 2009 when this came out, this was, the fall after like we graduated from college i i don't know it was still at a time where i was going to the movie theaters a lot um a quick i won't i won't make it the longest story uh in in the world but i have a, a brief history with this movie in the sense of that um i w- i was working uh, doing a gig for entertainment weekly at at the time that uh, a lot of interviews with just I don't know and uh, different celebrities and one was this press thing for the Fantastic Mr. Fox and I was in this hotel suite in Midtown and I was just like a PA slash like kind of do it all camera assistant lighting guy and I got to meet Meryl Streep, Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray, and Wes Anderson. For some reason, George Clooney wasn't there. You you met Meryl Streep mm-hmm. and Bill Murray in the same room. Yes. 
And everyone was exactly how you'd think and you'd wish they would be. You met Meryl Streep and Bill Murray in the same room. The same room. Yes. Um, And then they fucked right in front of me. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Whoa. I don't know why I went so crass with that. Uh, I would have gladly jumped in to help keep things going (laughs) just to say I was a part of it. Um, But like, like to all the theological mathematicians out there, what is the probability of meeting <laughs> and talking with Miles Street and Bill Murray in the same room? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, like, like award season aside, uh, I'm sure v- very, very little. Um, but yeah, everyone was exactly the way you'd expect. Like Jason Schwartzman, like quiet, just like he's his own adjective, like, you know, Schwartzman-y, like just totally that way. Uh, Meryl Streep was just a goddess a a queen among of among queens just absolute american royalty in my eyes uh wes anderson yeah like very similar to jason schwartzman i could see how they're like probably friends yeah quiet and very very um not in a cold way but like very calculated i feel like in his thoughts um you know just very precise and then bill murray just total you know, I, this is right before the period where then all of a sudden, I mean, again, even on uh, Netflix, I, I think there's that series of just like weird encounters with Bill Murray. But this is like before that time. But I guess I could have been on that show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was just total Bill Murray, like total like Pete Venkman and oh. came in. There was a crew of, I don't know, at most 10 of us. Um, and it was just this interview again, just like kind of like. Yeah, just like promotion, promotional thing for the Fantastic Mr. Fox. I actually, um, I have, I'll have to take a picture of it. It's somewhere in my parents. I'll have to find it. I have, uh, as a promotional thing, they gave out fox tail neckties. Fake, obviously. (laughs) Oh my God. And I wore it when I went to go see the movie. Oh my God. That's amazing. Um, And then the last thing, the most absurd thing uh, is that, you know, when, you know, so he, he was Bill Murray was incredibly nice. Like, uh, like I was, I was going to say this since there was like 10 of us shook each of our hands and, uh, asked us our name, called us by our name the whole time. And I had, uh, set up this hotel suite that the living area was where they were doing the interviews. The bedroom was the, uh, the green room for them, but it was all very contemporary and kind of open. So I had closed, the blinds and it was very modern especially for that time hotel room that everything was like special buttons and like no you know no pull strings or anything like that um and i closed it for lighting purposes but bill murray wanted some fresh air in the room he's like come here kyle like come help me out and i open up he's like can you open up this window a little bit and i open up the window and i mean it opens up at most a, a foot you know like because they don't want you jumping out of this window and, he's, yeah. and he sticks his head out and he goes you smell that kyle that's the big apple that's new york city if you can make it here you can make it anywhere and then he starts going full-on downtown everything's better <laughs> when you're come on kyle sing along downtown i'm like oh man patula clark who sings that song and he's like how the fuck do you know that i'm like oh, I, I grew up listening to the oldies he's like awesome and he just keeps singing and that's that. You were in a Bill Murray movie. I was. I, re- I truly Bill- was. 
You were in a Bill Murray movie. You son of a bitch. You lucky fu- son of a bitch. You actually did it. <laughs> to, to, as, as I said, I was going to make it as short as possible. Getting back to the film at hand. Fantastic Mr. Fox. That is my... Never. That is... <laughs> never. We're done with it. Uh, overrated film. No. This... Never. This 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 film is spectacular. Uh, so I, I saw it right when it came out in theaters. As I said, I, I wore the uh, the necktie and it was like, I've got a big neck. So it was like very tight around my neck and uncomfortable, but I still wore it. Um, this is just a delightful film. This is a film actually continuing. Uh, what if the last film was Hannah and her sisters that I covered? The one before that was Charlie. And the, oh, I'm sorry. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, obviously a roll doll book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So I'm happy to keep the roll doll thing going on here. And this to me is a perfect adaptation of a children's book. I have never read this book. I haven't read the book either. I say that I say that with not having read it, but I'm just I just know that while roll dolls books are longer children's books, they're not just like short picture books. Yeah, it, it's just um, a really I, good apt- adaptation because the same year we get where the wild things are by by Spike Jones. Yeah, and I I think it's a beautifully shot film. I like a lot of it, but that's a book I read a lot as a kid. Yes, and yes. I was just like, I don't know, this is the re- the direction I would have gone with this film. There was a scene just sidetracking to where the wild things are because I loved that book as a kid. That was, I'm pretty sure my mom had to get me like a new version of that every other week. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's about a kid using his imagination and like running away and adventures. And, and, and that scene in the movie where I think it's right after the great rumpus and one of the creatures arms falls off and it's just like a twiggy branch and like sawdust come out. I was like, holy shit, this is not a kid's film. <laughs> like, that yeah. was, that scared me. Like, like being an adult, I'm like, oh, I guess I have to grow up now. Like, you know, yeah. but I guess that's also a theme in the movie. And, and James Gandolfini is amazing, but just like his voice, like, and you just still really associate it with Tony Soprano. Oh, And yeah. so, yeah, it it's a, a little weird in that sense. So I really like that, that year with that having come out, I think it was like only like two... Oh, I even wrote it down. It premiered two days after Where the Wild Things Are came out. So, I mean, this is the right at the same time, two beloved children's books. And this one, I think it just, uh, I think this is a great film for both children and adults. It's, it's, a it's again, as I said before, Wes Anderson does, in, a, um, in another form, he makes perfect movies. Like, they're just so complete pieces that... He gets like, it's great for kids. It's visually amazing. It's, I, I love this movie. I forgot how much I love this movie till I rewatched it. I think that's a lot of Wes Anderson films for me as well. It's like, oh my God, I love this movie whenever I watch it. And like, some people think, oh, he's Wes Anderson. He's artsy. And it's like. On the verge of like, pretentious. Yes. But at the end of the day, I don't think he is. And it's a film like this. Like I, I watched this YouTube interview with him about this film and it's like, oh my God, like Wes Anderson, Fox gave me the, com- or I think it was Fox searchlight and paintbrush mm-hmm. um, uh, who gave him, you know, go ahead to make this. Like they're giving me complete run of the mill to make this over like two and a half years. It's like, 
Wes Anderson making and adapting a Ronald Dahl book. Like, what could go wrong? This is going to make us so much money. And I think the film did well, but like, you know, Wes Anderson made it, I think, so much more and deeper that it it's on, on the surface for kids. It's a, such a playful movie. It is amazing. Yeah. But for adults, it's, it's, it's wonderful as well. And uh, again, knocks it out of the park, you know? Yeah. And it's a great, it, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great film for both children and adults, but specifically then parents as you know, to watch this with your kids. Cause it, it's a big movie on parenting. And yes. so it's really interesting in that sense. And like I said about like, uh, with Mr. Fox and and growing up, I mean, with the mo- the movie begins with him, uh, you know, r- robbing a farm with with uh, uh, what's her her name is Felicity, Miss Mrs. Fox, or, or uh, yeah, and she's ex- expecting Ash at that time. She finds out that she's pregnant. She tells him and says like, "You you have to quit this." Yep, and like it's very morbid. Like we're where like they are talking about dying right then and there and that she's pregnant and her baby's going to die if they don't get out. Yeah, the, Which is the stakes for, are made and they are large and we understand the world that they live in. Yes. And another really morbid thing is Christopherson, uh, his cousin mm-hmm. or his, his nephew. Yeah, yeah, his, yeah. Mr. Fox's nephew and yeah, Ash's cousin. His his dad has cancer pretty much in this in this universe. Yeah. Like Chris Crawford's dad's like, oh why? Or he's I I swear to God, I forgot the illness that he has, but like it represents like, yo, Christopherson's family is dying and it's like we don't want this child to be around this his father dying. Let's send him somewhere that we know that there's another kid his age he can hang out with. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, it's like like I've never you know, I'm blessed to never have to been in that situation, you know, as a kid, but like, I'm pretty sure there's people who, you know, were sent to other families because of like, you know, how fragile a child can be around more with things and ideas of death. Yeah. Kids. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine kids, you know, now with the pandemic and it's probably making a lot of, probably making a lot of them, grow up a lot faster than they should. It sucks when a child is robbed of their childhood. And that's that I think that's what, you know, they're trying to do for Christofferson in this movie. Yes. Yes. Um, and one thing I want to start, like to start off on my part of this movie is that the film starts off with Mr. Fox eating an apple. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to set off Chekhov's golden, delicious apple right now. And we'll, we'll play it off. This will pay off at the end. And I think it, this is where I mentioned, like, oh, there's something kind of, you know, more about food in general and us and our connection to food that I think Wes Anderson touches on in the first scene and literally the last scene of the film. But just remember, Mr. Fox goes up to a tree, pulls an apple off of it, and eats it in its most natural form. Yeah. Was so, it, was it, and, was it temptation? <laughs> Well, I, I'm i going to get into this now. At the end of the film, unless you want me to hold off on this. No, please, please. At the end of the film, they end up in Bogus, bon- Bogus bon- oh my God, Bunsen Beans International Food Market. Mm-hmm. 
and they're drinking juice boxes of apple juice and grape juice. Yeah, they're all. I love that they're all drinking apple juice except for Ash, and he's drinking grape just to show that he's that he's different. You know, exactly. But the idea is that in the film we start off with the most natural form an apple is, fresh off a tree. Mm-hmm. Like, and in the end, we're literally drinking. It's probably one of its most processed corn syrup injected <laughs> plasticized form and with the theme of survival in this film as a way of surviving i guess selling things as well like humans have taken what is natural and healthy for us and have made like a bastardized version oh, and i think yeah i'm not sh- i'm not sure what wes anderson was getting with that but i i only really noticed this on like the second time i watched it this week it's like, oh my god, he's eating an actual apple off a tree. Like, like there's no other natural form. And I, I hope it wasn't a organic farm, no pesticides used. But then he's, <laughs> and then they're like drinking apple juice, probably from concentrate. Like, not, not. It's, it's, it's just like I, I really wonder what was going through Wes Anderson's mind with that. I mean, not you know, it's only like, it's, it's got to mean something. Not only are they does the the film begin with him eating an apple right off the tree, they're living under the tree. And not only are they drinking artificial, all the stuff that's in apple juice boxes, they're living in man-made sewers at this point. Yes. So it is, it is just, yeah, it's about like kind of, it's commenting on man, on humans messing up the pure things in the world. And we, we definitely see that, um, I mean, in Bogus Bunsen Bean, and there's that, uh, you know, great rhyme that goes along with it, uh, and, you know, one 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 fat, one short, one lean, but just in each... Bogus Bunsen Beans! Sorry, that's my best rendition. That's all you're getting. <laughs> Bogus Bunsen Bean! Bogus Bunsen Bean! It's creepy British children yes. singing this. Uh, but um, just even how they're consuming... Th- you know, their, uh, their products that one is just over indulging and I'm sure not eating it in the healthiest forms, but he's just over, you know, eating a crazy amount of chicken. So he says eats three chickens for every meal and there's four meals a day. So 12 chickens a day. Um, yes. one's having the, like the homemade goose donuts that's bunts. And then Bean is having this alcoholic cider. So even these farmers uh, are just overindulging and just not consuming properly. Yes. And the whole parenting thing, again, like you want to provide the best for your children. And like, I think there's a, a constant battle for Mr. Fox to grow up mm-hmm. and to realize maybe... You know, at the end of the day, this wasn't best for his family and his children, but most of this film was mainly for him to, you know, relive his, you know, do his three last final heists. Yeah, exactly. And and like, and like part of his arc is realizing that, you know, the excitement is within my family. And I think that also parallels with him not acknowledging like what his son is and how unique, um, Oh God, I forget his son's name. Ash. 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 Yeah. Like, you know, like, like he doesn't pay attention to him until the end of the film pretty much. And like, and like, there's some really serious shit there. Yeah. And just the son being different. I love when, uh, you know, 
I, is it, it's Felicity that says something along the lines of like, I know what it feels like to be different and does like yes, a weird, yes. a weird hand movement or whatever. This definitely plays into the, you know, father's acceptance and paying attention. Just even when one of the earlier scenes, when Christopherson shows up and they're diving off and, you know, Mr. Fox is just like, eh, good job, Ash. And then Christopherson goes in. It's that really funny little bloop of the water. He's like, wow, did you see that? And he's like, he's a, you know, that's a, that's a real athlete right there. And we find out, you know, Mr. Fox is, uh, was, was a high school athlete with, oh God, what was the name of that? Uh, is it whack ball or what was it? Oh my God. Um, I should have it. I know somewhere. he mentions like he, so he mentions acorns. Mm-hmm. And so going to the high school sports scene, the, the sports whack scene bat. in this. Whack bat. And, and whack bat. Uh, Owen Wilson's character is like, what? You don't have whack bat across the pond? <laughs> well, we play acorns. So I'm going to touch on a couple things right here. Number one, he used the word pond. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. It usually describes England and America, mm-hmm. like across the pond. But another thing, all of the animal characters in this film have some form of an American uh, dialect tone yeah. style, whereas all the humans are British. When I really noticed this was when they're having that campsite jamboree mm-hmm. after exploding the fox's hole and Petey's just rambling on in nonsense words and gets called up by Mr. Bean, which is my favorite line of the movie. It's like, that's just poor songwriting, PD. You wrote a bad song, PD. It's <laughs> so good. I, that is so good. It's another thing. I'm like, all right, Wes Anderson did this purposefully for some reason where like the animals are American or American English speaking and the humans are yeah, English English. The two basic things I'll guess to that are one paying homage to the writer himself. Because Roald Dahl is English. I did not know that, but now I do. Thank you. Yeah, so I think it's like a little bit of homage to to the you know original author keeping at least some of the ca- characters uh, English. And then, let's face it, he went like the Star Wars route, which was like, make the bad guys with the British accent. They just seem that much more <laughs> threatening. And you get someone, I mean, we, we've, <laughs> we've, we've, we've mentioned you rebel scum. Uh, we've mentioned <laughs> some of the fantastic actors in this film, the, the voice talent, but let me just say what, uh, you know, who I've gotten written down. We've got George Clooney as Mr. Fox, Meryl Streep as Felicity Fox, Bill Murray as Badger, Jason Schwartzman as Ash, Wes Anderson does a, a voice talent as the realtor of Weasel, uh, Franklin Bean is played by Michael Gambon. Michael Gambon was in this film I covered called The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. And it's a film uh, that Michael Gambon is in and plays the thief character, this gangster, and his wife is Helen Mirren. That's a really fucked up film. But uh, I love that then he's in like kind of this children film like that film was i think it was nc-17 and then they got it down to r like just made it uh okay so yeah it's a pretty crazy film uh 
and so I kind of love the juxtaposition of the two foodie films that he's been in so far, at least. Maybe he'll be in more. Maybe he'll be like an MVP of the of the foodie film scene. I don't know. Uh, and then you get Willem Dafoe playing Rat, Owen Wilson as Coach Skip. The Field Mouse, the mouse you, that you mentioned, is voiced by Adrian Brody. And, oh my god! <laughs> uh, as a great little foodie uh, homage of its own, you get, and I, I totally, I, I recognize his, the controversies n- now, but you get Mario Batali is the voice of the rabbit, the cook, the chef rabbit. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, an amazing voice ensemble there, and so you get yeah, they're all, uh, to the best of my knowledge, uh, uh, as far as the animals go, yeah, all American voices. Yes, yes. Yeah, going back to food, like, this film is chock full of it. Uh, like, be, it being a foodie film, it is It is amazing. It is amazing. Yeah, and just, I mean, the fact, obviously, these, these three, I mean, they're not all, I guess they're all... Th- farmers technically but then they they're they're making their products as well um industrialists industrialists thank you (laughs) (laughs) i guess i i don't know that's that just you know screw over the system throw down the industry Mm -hmm. yeah workers communism yeah (laughs) where are we going with this podcast But the, the, that alone, that the film has those characters, would be enough for me. But then the fact that it's a heist about those, and then you've stated, obviously, a bunch of food that is consumed in this. I love that giant dinner. And um, one thing I wrote down as far as like one of my favorite things is Mr. Fox's toast. Like the toast that, you know, that he, that he gives. I don't think I've touched upon too much on on any episodes but this one this film in particular really just i don't know it it just uh it's focused on enough that it really resonated with me and you know we're right right around the holiday season thanksgiving and and obviously christmas and just times where you're uh if, if you're lucky enough you're getting together with your with your family and uh and just you know and sharing words and maybe making some toasts and just that that's yeah. just something that is part of food and drink culture. I guess what is, I think something kind of ironically purposeful of this film is that the animals minus when they're actually eating the items have way more polite eating dinner scenarios than all these other humans. Like uh Bogus just eats by himself and eats 12 chickens a day. Like, like, Bean just like tells his wife to go down to the basement and get two more jars of cider, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like, whereas like Mr. Badger is literally walking around with a pre-dinner aperitif as everyone else, all the other animals in this little kingdom that they have, like is just preparing dinner. Like, oh, and I love it. I know this would have got, <laughs> it got a big laugh out of me as an adult. So I know it would have gotten a big laugh of me out of me as a kid as well. But I just love how they're talking, and then how the only when one of the few times where they become animalistic is when they're eating. Yes, it it is it is absolutely wonderful, and I I again I've never read the kids book, but I think that's one thing that does difference is that in the kids book the animals do eat politely with knives and forks, whereas 
just watching them, you know, Ash and Christopherson go to town on this plate of cookies. It's like, yo, I get it. I love cookies. I do the same shit. (laughs) (laughs) And then, oh man, it's just like, it's so sad when like Mr. Fox and Mrs. Fox are having their moments and just like, you know, why did you lie to me? And just that whole, that reoccurring line of because I'm a wild animal is just, uh, it's just like, it's so heartbreaking. Even when she says to him in the sewers, just like, I probably should have never married you. (laughs) It's just those moments where I'm like, yep, this is not just a kid's film. You know, what's also another not a kid's moment is when like Mr. Rat and Mr. Fox are facing off. And Mr. Rat literally calls Felicity like in not so good terms that you should never use on anyone. Literally the town bicycle. Like, yeah, that like, was crazy. Like, like the town floozy. I was like, oh, this isn't a kid's film. Like, like they, they went to high school together. Yeah. You know, like, like Mr. Fox and Mr. Rat played whack bat against each other. And there's guarantees some sort of animosity. With Mr. Fox being so good at whack bat, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Rat. I mean, just when um, when when he's fighting, and I l- love what Willem Dafoe is doing with the voice. He's even going like very kind of Cajun with it, and he's like, yep. as fine looking as a creme brulee. Uh, <laughs> and but just look at his character, and when he's dying, what does he want? He wants some cider. And that's like his yes. last request. And he gets some dirtied up cider from when they uh, flooded out the whole sewer system or whatever. But that's that's his that's his dying wish. Some of the cider that he was like protecting all that time. Yeah. And I, I had to write it down because it was just such a crazy line of Mr. Fox says afterwards when they have a little words on rat. But he goes redemption sure but in the end he's just another dead rat in a garbage can behind a chinese restaurant i'm like oh my god like it goes like to the levels of like kind of bone cutting lines that i'm like is this a roman polanski film is this like (laughs) like nah it's chinatown like it's just like the harsh realism of the world we're living in like they're they're very much these these animals are just like staring it right in its face like staring death in its face pretty much the entire film it's awesome that the animals are self-aware that mr fox acknowledges that oh he like like the idea of chinese restaurants and dead animals being in the trash behind them is nothing new to mr fox you know Mm -hmm. like it's 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 a way it's his life experiences describing that situation and in general, like we're all animals, you know. Yeah. Well, he says you know, what he's he's seven and a half years, which is like half a year even longer than like his dad lived or whatever. Yeah. It's just that whole. I mean, yeah, just like life, death, the the father son relationship. I mean, that's something that has definitely been discussed in my family. My my dad's dad, oh, yeah. you know, passed away significantly young. I think he was just in his mid 50s and my dad is now in his mid 60s so just the fact you know that's definitely something i know he he thinks about that he's lived a decade longer than his dad did yeah and it's 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 not we're talking about it now i'm just like wow there's a lot of mortality themes and discussions in this Mm -hmm. like even these farms like these you know to 
to make smoked chicken, you have to kill, you know, you have to crack a few eggs. I don't know. <laughs> but no, like, uh, like, you know, there's a lot of mortality in this in in a kid's film, you know, yeah. that is, is well enough. I don't want to say obscured, but it's, it's just under the surface enough where a kid will can acknowledge it, but it's not what's going to stick with that individual for this film. It's about fuzzy animals stealing things, which <laughs> the, again, it's a heist film. It's kind of wonderful. <laughs> I mean, there's some great adolescent stuff in here too, just as far as that competitiveness between Ash and Christopherson and then the, um, the love interest in that one, you know, with the other, uh, you know, female Fox and the, the student. And just like when they're in the, in the science class and he's like, you're supposed to be my lab partner. She goes, I am. He's like, no, you're not. You're just loyal. Like <laughs> it's just moments like savage. that. That uh, Yeah. Savage. But like, definitely. I, I remember having this, I, I assume they're supposed to be like middle school age. Like that's definitely I, I, I should probably had like the same thoughts in middle school. Like, Oh, I wanted to be with that person as my lab partner. Just like when you have yeah. having your first crushes and you're just like, I don't know what to say. So I, I just need to be around and spend time with this person. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like going back to that, I, I forget her name, the, 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 the love interest, mm-hmm. but she makes a comment about her spots. And it's like, yo, when we're all at that age, that middle school, high school age, like, like I suffered from really bad acne and like, it's a very, you know, self-conscious defeating things that happens to people. Like, you know, your image, especially when you're trying to, again, oh, I want to, you know, I want that person to like me, but my looks are affecting because we're just children. We don't get it yet. Mm -hmm. You know? So, but like, again, another social commentary on like, just being a teenager, like, like in this, in this rough world, you know, is it, is it Agnes? Is that her name? I think that's her name. I think it's Agnes. Yeah. I think I'm looking you... at the IMDb right now and I believe that's it, but yeah, no, that's exactly, those are some of the things that even on a, uh, I guess a young adult level, you know, you've got your, your kids film that they'll be laughing at, you know, silly lines and just, like I said, I, I would think as a kid it would get a big laugh of Mr. Fox just talking normally and then just going into food and everything like yeah. that. And then you have this young adult kind of story in the movie. And then you have this story for adults, whether you're a parent or not. Um, and it's just it's just fantastic. Uh, I, I want to bring up some of just trivia and technical aspects of the film because I know that's stuff we also talked about in Grand Budapest and that's something we, we, we both appreciated in Grand Budapest, like the aspect ratios and everything like that. Yes. Uh, so this film was 56,000 shots. That is a ridiculous amount of shots for a film. Uh, it was 535 puppets. Now, mind you, just like think about, you know, like how many characters and you're like, that's you know, I mean, what, there was probably 25 in total between adults and animals, maybe 30, you know, like. Well, like, you also got to think, like, when, like, you know, that opening sequence when they're heading to the farm to go steal for the first time, like, the trees are blowing in the wind. Yeah. Like, it's like the clouds are moving. Like, I'm pretty sure the sun fades or the, the like, the moon is in a crescent and switches. Like, like, those are all, like those 
Like someone has to puppeteer that. Yeah, someone's moving like, those as far as the stop motion goes. But I mean, Mr. Fox alone had seventeen different styles and six oh and, and six different sizes for him for the sets. So that alone there oh. is you know sixteen times seven. You do the math. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah. The film was shot at twelve frames per second versus twenty four, so you could really get that vibe of the stop motion and those movements. They he didn't want it to be, you know, as absolutely like perfect fluid as possible. Uh, the only CGI in the film is partially used in the flooding of the sewers. Um, any other technical thing I wrote down, I guess not technical, but, uh, just the use of, I mean, Wes Anderson is a big, uses colors all the time and it's just very autumn colors, the yellows, the oranges, the reds, and, uh, Christofferson is one of the few characters he wears blues and that's to show that he's kind of like the outsider into this world. Yep. Uh, so Um, yeah. Going into the puppets, there's another line, a dialogue that i really love that pops up like twice or three times mm-hmm. but in the beginning uh mr fox asked felicity look how's the doctor is how are you feeling oh he gave me something i'll be fine oh you look wonderful you're practically glowing oh, so- and it cuts it cuts to this two shot of like this plastic filled like lawn ornament yeah it looks like, like one of those christmas did- like those santas that my grand yes! my, my grandmother has one of those <laughs> yeah like a frosty the snowman or a santa that just has like a single tungsten bulb in it <laughs> yeah and it's just like you're practically glowing and he holds on it for a beat to just i guess illustrate the ridiculous of it of it and it's just it's very i want to say clooney-esque like i think like whenever i think of george clooney you know he's got that Hey, I'm George Clooney. What up? <laughs> you know, like I, I got witty dialogue. I'm a suave man. Look at me. You know, we'd be remiss without saying that. I mean, this is a heist film, and this is an actor that <laughs> at the time, um, did the did Ocean's Thirteen come out yet? It might have. I mean, definitely the first two Ocean's movies. I gotta see when Ocean's Ocean's Thirteen. Yeah, came out in two thousands. Wow, those all came out very Ocean's Eleven, two thousand one. Oceans One. 12, 2000, wow. 2004, and Oceans 13. So every every three years, Oceans 13 was 2007. That's crazy. You know, um, you know I, really, I really think Wes Anderson probably saw those films. Like, how funny would it be to combine George Clooney's character in a heist film with Raul Dahl's book? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm pretty sure yeah. that was, like, the origin thought. This is a wonderful heist film. <laughs> It was it was nominated for two Oscars, Best Animated Film, Best Original Score. It lost, of course, to a Pixar film, as many other animated films do. That yeah. that year, it was Up, which talk about heartbreaking. The first like five minutes of that movie, the journey of <sighs> oh my god, that's just like a just gut wrenching rips yeah. you r- rips you apart. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like oh look, they're growing old. Oh, that's like grandma. Oh my god, she fell over. Like, and, and that's it. And that's oh, it. It's, it's God, just like, yeah. it's like, it's like, fuck. Wally did that for me as well. First 15 minutes of Wally, like just a robot living by itself and the trashy trash keep that is the world. Oh yeah. Like, ugh. talk about, yeah. Talk about a movie that has like adult themes to ugh. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, some of my favorite moments you you've mentioned, uh, I mean a bunch of them, but specifically the you're glowing that happens earlier in the film and then later <laughs> in the film with both of them. Uh, 
and at the same time, the I'm pregnant and the shocked look, you know, that very, the straight into camera, Mr. Fox has like those yes. reactions. We, uh, the, uh, um, oh, why am I blinking at Kylie? What's the, what, what kind of, he's a mole. Kylie has the same yes. thing with his eyes when they're all in the swirl and everything like that. Um, I thought he was a possum. Was he a possum or a mole? Oh, you're right. He's a possum. Cause he says that there's no Latin translation for that. There's another, there's a mole character. But no, yeah, Ky- yes, Kylie yes. is a possum. You're right, um, and it's kind of like he he he's playing possum in those moments. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Mr. Fox is like, and and Mr. Fox is like, he acknowledges, he's like, why do you guys go all swirly like that? Like 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 you're just not here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, the I love Ash's modified tube sock as his as his uh, thief mask, and then um, the haven't we all modified a tube sock? Oh boy. <laughs> Oh boy, Brian! I thought I was rude with the uh, Bill Murray Mel Streep comment earlier. Uh, <laughs> and then I love, I love the at the ransom note part, and they're like, "Why, why did they cut out the letters?" And like we know who, and they and they signed it as well. <laughs> yeah. It's just like that's like the the this is you know us now they have Isle of Do- there's Isle of Dogs but this is the first non you know like live action Wes Anderson movie and it's one of the most Wes Anderson-y movies of Wes Anderson's that that exists it, the humor is just there the music is there a lot of Beach Boys songs they even use the um the love theme from uh Disney's Robin Hood which is a great little uh, reference because that's oh about God. Robin Hood as a, as a fox. Holy crap! I completely missed that, and that was like numero uno animated film for me. Oh my yeah, there's God. that. It's like love. It's just like it's the love theme between uh, Robin Hood and Maid Marian in that movie, and it's used mind here blown. In Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, that's just it's just great. That's mind like mind blown. Fun- that's that's fun moments that you're just like, yep, that is just a student of film, a film nerd making movies. Uh, I'm sure a film that he obviously watched in his youth and was just like, I got to use it. Like, let's see if I can get the rights. If I can get the rights, fuck yeah, I'm going to use it. And like, it's like he's using foxes and like at some point, like that film, that film affected him as a kid. Like, I'm not sure how old Wes Anderson is. I really don't. Um, it's probably in his 40s? late. 40s maybe early 50s maybe but again it just shows how much going back to the whole wes anderson of most wes anderson wes anderson thing of wes anderson (laughs) wes anderson films every time you watch a wes anderson film like i watched this one two and a half times like i stopped because like our cats were being dicks and i had to stop them from fighting (laughs) um but he's 51 i looked it up oh wow Good for him. Um, he there's so many layers and they're so discoverable at so many different times. Like going from the widest of watching this as a kid and watching it as an adult and seeing the themes mature as you mature, but like like not noticing that Disney reference to the love theme from Robin Hood. Like I'm going to go back and watch this and look for that and be like, oh my god. And then it's going to be like, all right, what other random things am I missing? Those subtle music cues and acknowledgements in other Wes Anderson films. And it's like, 
it's like this week, this one's the most Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson of Wes Anderson films. <laughs> and then next week, like I'll, I'll put on Life Aquatic and that one will be the most Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson, Anderson, Wes Anderson, Anderson, Wes of Wes Anderson films. So it's just like, there's so many layers to his films that just expose themselves, I think, to the individual audience member at different times in their lives, I guess. I mean, like, mm-hmm. like there's just so many. It's so, again, going back to my Grand Budapest, like, they're like layer cakes, you know? Like, he makes these beautiful, beautiful, wonderful cakes that are films, and you can just kind of, like, like, you could slice into Fantastic Mr. Fox and eat it like it's apple pie. Like, I swear to God, like, with those colors as well. Yeah, I mean, if uh, Grand Budapest was a delicious cake of a metaphor, this is just an apple pie and like a, then just like an apple and then you have some apple cider with it. <laughs> it really, it's just like, it's just like apple pie on a fall day, I guess. I mean, yeah, you know, like going to have some this week at some point, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> um. Is there a scene we haven't discussed yet that you you, you really enjoyed? Because this is, I mean, the, it's just such a. I, I'm looking at mine and just, I mean, there's just so 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 many great moments. But I I think I've said the ones that are, um, you know, just I mean, Willem Dafoe is the rat. I just absolutely love. Wonderful. I think I think out of my favorite characters that have like the least amount of screen time, like. Wilm Dafoe is able to, and the writing Wes Anderson is able to give so much character to this one individual security rat who's like, you know, the metaphor of him also being a rat, but not being a rat. And like, you know, having like maybe a previous relationship with Felicity back in the day. Like it's, it's again, and just his, his draw, his, his Southern Louisiana draw, like, like I'm here, <laughs> and he's got the switchblade. Like I mean, come on. Like we we've mentioned it, but I I didn't say it in this sense. Just the fact that they're even being trying to be killed by food. That it's the cider trying to flood them out and yes. and and capturing them with the with the ginger apple snaps. How food is just food is just used and uh, symbolizes so many things in this film. Um, the uh the beagles that. Protect uh, the blue beads. the blueberries, yeah. The blueberries. Like poisoning <laughs> poisoning blueberries and feed them to beagles. Um and going back to another scene where it's Whackbat, and after um Chris Arthur scores his his whatever I forget how they score. Oh, I like, hope you're they, gonna say what I think you're gonna say. Go ahead. Um all of a sudden Owen Wilson's character runs behind the scene that I believe it's it's Ash and Agnes and Agnes is holding up a K, which is, I think, (laughs) which, which is funny because in American strike, in American baseball, it means strike, but this whack bat is more almost, it's like cricket and baseball combined. And I think it makes fun of American and British bat sports. Like both these sports have ridiculous rules Uh and like she's holding up a K. It could mean it could mean a strike, but it means Christofferson. But yeah. in the in the background, like Owen Wilson's character runs up to a cooler that says "thirst quench" on it, opens up a Gatorade bottle, drinks it like he's showing the camera, like "Hey, like this is my product placement," <laughs> and then puts it down and then leaves. And it's just like, oh my god, there's literal fake product placement in this film. 
That's funny. I th- I thought you were gonna say because then also I mean I know I mentioned how Rat says about like oh you know like like a creme brulee before, but just even food is used as kind of like insults in this movie because then I don't know what they never say what kind of creature he is. Is it a is that other kid a woodchuck like the bully one? Is he a beaver or a woodchuck? I think Something he's like a that. beaver. Okay, his tail and oh yes, um, I I don't remember seeing his tail that teenager beaver uh says why is your cousin such a wet sandwich and i'm like that's such a <laughs> great insult because i love sandwiches and nothing worse than a wet sandwich so it's just like it's not a wet blanket it's like i don't know it's, no it's it's <laughs> such a why is your cousin such a wet sandwich <laughs> it's su- it's such a good insult because it's not it's a wet sandwich like like you said everyone hates a wet sandwich like we would go on kayak trips and if you didn't like triple wrap your sandwich and it was in the cooler, it might get some New Jersey pond water in it. And then you really don't want to eat that sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, they're, they're eating food. They're stealing food. They're using food as a way to describe people. It's it's there is it's literally so much food. Food is, is also brought over by Kylie and the minnows as like a yep. housewarming gift. Yes. And just like when he when he shares the initial minnow with uh with Mr. Fox, he's like, Thank you for the minnow. It's superb. Like it's just <laughs> it's moments like that that I just absolutely love in this movie. And again, just that's just so you've got food on a thematic level, food in this heist, food in overindulgence, food being used as a weapon, food being used as an insult, food being used as, you know, like them all sharing a meal together and the toast. I mean, it's just and, food, 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 food. So and, and, um, I, and even, I knew this, but when you said before, it's one of the most, you know, foodie films you, you've seen. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely sold on it now. It is a, it truly is a food centric food driven movie and like even like the bad guys bogus bogus buns and beans like their bastardization of food whether it be mm-hmm. eating 12 chickens a day to filling donuts with goose liver mousse which you know i love me some good foie but like that's too <laughs> that's too far to being literally that sounds like a very british thing to do though like they're i know they love like their meat pies and everything like that so it just sounds like the next step (laughs) bean is literally making star like getting apples to print golden stars on them when they're made yeah And, (laughs) and he's also turning an apple which is an apple a day keeps the doctor away into an hard alcoholic cider that. Ooh, that's a good point. Didn't think which, about that. Yeah. Which could kill you if you drink, you know, alcoholism. Yeah. And, but the whole, and, yeah, the apple a day, that's a, you know, at least in, in the States, you know, that was a rhyme, but yeah. apple a day keeps the doctor away. And going back to my original, like this theme that I like really, I'm, I've latched onto in this film is the idea of Mr. Fox eating an apple in its most organic far, form to them living in a man, like you said, living in a man-made sewer underneath a man-made market with all this bastardized food by these three villains. Yeah. And like, at the end of the day, like, you know, these animals are still eating shit food, I guess. I mean, it says, it says international. It could be a fancy route, like your sprouts or your, your Trader Joe's or whatever. But it's, it seems like they're going to make the best of it. I love this movie. Again, <laughs> most most Wes Anderson, Anderson of Anderson, Anderson Films, Wes Anderson, Anderson West, West, Paul Thomas Wes Anderson. No. No. <laughs> Paul Thomas Wes Anderson Cooper Films. 
Paul Thomas, Pamela, Wes Anderson, Cooper films. That's it. That's it. There you go. You got it. That's our Quizzo <laughs> team name. <laughs> or it was a Quizzo team named before we were in the time of playing Quizzo. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fantastic Mr. Fox is absolutely a fantastic film, a delightful film. Yes. And I was I was very happy to discuss it with you. Kyle, this has always been a pleasure and this brings me a lot of joy in my stressful life and this world that we live in. Like thank <laughs> thank you for having me on for these Wes Anderson film films and we're not like, you know, watching some sad food film because these these films brighten my day and I'm gonna say something right now. Whenever you do, and I hope there's food in it, do the fresh French dispatches. Is that his next one? Oh yeah, that's. I know it's a it's a film mainly about journalism, but um, maybe it'll be at least uh, the next episode I have you on. If if that's if there's not a food centric character in that film or story in that film, hopefully at least there's a scene we'll be able to discuss from it. Yes, I would like to put this in the contract now that if it's does if it fulfills the qualifications to be a foodie film, which I hope it does. I would I think like we just to... need to write another film food heist movie. That's what we need to do. <laughs> I I would like to discuss as a as the uh a food scene from a non-food centric movie. We've got George Clooney as a thief in this movie. Let's talk his main thievery movie, Oceans Eleven. I love the Oceans series, Steve Soderbergh films. They're just they're they're fun movies to me. They are. I've never seen the original one, but I think it's like on the, HBO. like like Frank Sinatra that. Yes, and I think yeah. it's on HBO, so I I do plan on watching that at some. Point. It's fun. It's definitely it's very of that time, but like Steve Soderbergh, you know another another, I you know just very like quirky filmmaker loves the use of his colors. There, he's just an auteur filmmaker, just just like I would say you know Wes Anderson is. Oh, totally, and. The ensemble cast, the heist yes. film, like, like you could replace the money with food, but like they are, I remember when I saw Ocean's 11, 2001, I probably did not see that in theaters, but yeah, I that, think I saw it like when it came out on DVD, but again, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. And yeah. And what I think he nails in that film. I think it's the believability that someone could pull this off because I think with those films, a lot of the devices used to rob, you know, including the other ocean films as well, Mm -hmm. correlated with something that technology technologically happened, I think in society at that time, like the whole EMP, like, you know, we're talking 2001, like, 2000 like y2k like yeah yeah. you know like so like the idea that like oh y2k is going to shut down and we're going to lose all computers are going to go away the the clock doesn't go past that the minds are right you know (laughs) and and like i think like that little element of the the emp device is kind of like oh we were talking about this a year ago and since it's in this film like i think that was kind of hooks into the believability, which makes these films extra exciting because how cool would it be to (laughs) pull off a heist like that? Oh yeah. And I mean, you said it with ensemble and while in fantastic Mr. Fox, maybe his, 
thievery crew isn't that large of an ensemble. You obviously have the fantastic voice talents of playing all the other animals, but in this film, his crew is phenomenal. And I, I just want I want to play the scene right now, and then we'll discuss it where they all first come together at Elliot Gould's yes. character's house. So uh, let's play that clip, and then we'll talk about it. Saul, do you uh, make it out to Utah much? Not as often as I'd like. I think you should check it out. I think you dig Provo. I think you could do very well there. I'll look into it. Gentlemen, welcome to Las Vegas. Is that right? Everybody eating? Good. Everybody sober? Close enough. All right, before we get started, nobody's on the line here yet. What I'm about to propose to you is both highly lucrative and highly dangerous. That doesn't seem like your particular brand of vodka. Help yourself to as much food as you like and have a safe journey. No hard feelings. Otherwise, come with me. You're Bobby Caldwell's kid, huh? From Chicago? Yeah. It's nice there. You like it? Yeah. That's wonderful. Get in the goddamn house. <laughs> that that scene, number one, Elliot Gould is just so cool in this movie, yes. in my opinion. Yes. I love the way he is in this scene with the you know like what he's got a cigar he's got a smoker's jacket he's just in the in this in the oceans series he's like old school vegas he's been there a while he's He's got the hawaiian shirt (laughs) he's got the bucket hat like oh that's carl ryan that's carl oh my god oh my god yes you're right sorry about that yeah Um, elliot gould it's his house and he's like yes he like when everyone yeah when everyone shows up he's like what did you guys get a group rate or something when they all show up <laughs> together and it's not that big of a scene but just just the same as how I was saying with sharing a meal in Fantastic Mr Fox and giving the toast it's just and and then Elliot Gould's character just being such old school Vegas it's like cut to everyone socializing back by the pool before they before the meeting begins before. Danny Ocean reveals what the heist is about and they're all just there's finger foods out there's cocktails and I just I love that element to it just even like as you were saying in Fantastic Mr. Fox Badger is drinking like an aperitif well Badger is the Elliot Ghoul I would guess because yeah in, that's, that's, they're, that's they're close in, he's yeah you know I think they're in the Badger mind I think that's where <laughs> they where they end up and I mean like the, the ensemble cast is amazing and like it's like, I, I literally have this thing on right now. Like I'm going over the scene again and it's, it's that old school Palm Springs feel like, like that desert paradise in the desert like, yeah. feel as well. And like, I like, I guess Las Vegas is that because like in the middle of this desert state, you know, this glorious wonderfulness has been built, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love even um oh why am I blanking on uh his first name, but his dad is James Khan. Khan Khan We'll just call him Khan. But um oh, I think Scott. Scott Khan, I think is his name, right? Uh but he's talking with the late amazing 
Carl Reiner and he's just like, ah, oh, Saul, like you get out to Utah much? And he's like, not as much as I'd like. <laughs> yes. And uh, even like when, when they're all going inside and Saul just like takes an apple with him. There you go. A little fantastic. Mr. Fox uh, correlation yes. takes an apple with him to go at the racetrack. He's in orange. I mean, throughout this, definitely the first film, but I think all of them like rusty Brad Pitt's character is eating something in every scene. Yes. It's um, crazy. Uh, it's just, it's so good. So good. And like, there's that, I think it's the last shot where they're all kind of like in a line and they're kind of like enjoying like their final, like, oh, we did it. We actually. Oh, at the, at the Bellagio fountain. Yes. Yes. And yeah, the, um, the, 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 this, a beautiful piece that's actually, it's playing in the background of the scene that we just, that we were discussing that we just played. It's a piece called Claire de Lune. And I, after seeing it, I remember in the early days, uh, forgive me, whatever, whoever was the original. I mean, it's a, it's an old piece of music. Uh, but I, I remember downloading it off of like LimeWire <laughs> after, <laughs> after seeing, uh, of course, the food he was using, LimeWire. I think at that point, Napster was probably defunct or something. There's a version, kind of cool, jazzy, like, or slash, like, elevator music vibe version of it playing in the background of when these guys are hanging out in the in the backyard by the pool. But then it's, it's the big, beautiful orchestral version is playing at the Bellagio Fountain at the end. Yeah, it's, just, it's like this great, I'm watching, I'm literally, like, this great painting shot of everyone. And they're just like... So, and they walk away one by one. Like, they're just looking at how simple the water is gorgeous. Like, it's it's like, like, they're like just staring at the fountain. That's it. Like, yeah. It's, just it's, thinking, like, how they got away with it. It's just, yeah, it's beautiful. It is. It's awesome. That's a great trilogy. I think that's an underappreciated when people talk about the great trilogies. I really think that's a great trilogy. That is a wonderful trilogy. Well, last but not least, uh, since you are a second time guest, unlike the the first time where I had gut instincts, I just have one question to end sure. the episode. And that question is, this person could be from any point in time and what, you know, whoever, whenever, wherever, who is your dream dinner guest? Who do you want to share a meal, have a conversation with? Human? <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, let's let's stick with humans. So human, yeah. hmm. you know, obviously people tend to go with a celebrity, but it'd be a historical figure. I mean, it's a, or I mean, like obviously it doesn't it doesn't need to be as uh, vapid as that. It, it, Hunter S. Thompson. There you go. That'd be a crazy one. Well, I'd end up dead. But <laughs> exactly. Because um, the amount of cocaine and acid we'd probably end up doing, but I. I I, I think he'd be fun to go with, but I also I also think like could also man. be a fictional character if you'd like, if that makes it easier. There's just so many. There, <laughs> there, there's 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 too many. It's true. Marissa Tomei would be wonderful. Mm, um, yeah, but if I had to pick one individual, that'd be the perfect dinner guest. We've we've mentioned his name plenty of times on this episode, but Bill Murray is up there. Oh yeah, Bill Murray, and you know his son like because I know he like guest bartender, but his son owns like a bar in Brooklyn. Yes, I should try. Have, I should try to have him on for a first cut episode. Talk with his son. Oh, wow, he might just you might just say, hey, can we come record at your house? Maybe your dad will show up. Maybe <laughs> just, <maybe."> exactly. <laughs> um, 
another person I think would me, this is going to be a little personal, but it'd be like my dad's dad. Yeah. Um, hey, Cause I never sense. got them. I never got to consciously meet, like he was alive when I was really young, but I never mm-hmm. got to meet him. But you know, to meet him might give me some insight to like, you know, who my dad is as a person and, you know, and, and like, I think last but not least on the non-human scale would be my cat. Um, just because like, I want to know, like as a human, like, am I doing them well? Like, am, like, Okay, so you in this know. situation, your cat can talk. Exactly. Gotcha. So. Okay. There's there's so many. Like it'd be it would be an ensemble dinner party. How about that? Yeah, there you go. How yeah. About, oh, how, <laughs> how about I would host a dinner party with some Philadelphia chefs, and I'd stack the table with these individuals, and I would be more of a fan, I think, of watching the dynamic that <laughs> them would come all out of yeah. Of them all interacting and watching human nature at its, again, like going back to the whole food thing, like how food literally brought this film together and brings people to the table to interact. Like when you're eating, like you, you know, you shouldn't be on your cell phones. People are, but like you're sitting across from someone. You're not sitting, you are sitting next to one as well, but like there's someone generally across from you that you have to watch them eat. They have to watch you eat. And it's very personal because mm-hmm. it's about sur- like when you're eating, you're surviving and to get a group of fantastic individuals at a table to eat wonderful Philadelphia themed foods and just enjoy that time with them, you know, put all those people I said, plus like Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> plus like, you know, my cousins who I haven't seen in a long time, you know, like, this table could just be stacked with people and just me providing food for them, I think would be my ideal dinner date. I think everyone would just be fascinated by a talking cat. So that would be the, that would, he would actually, (laughs) he would like go to everyone's plate and lick it and then like sit on their laps because he's a little, (laughs) but the other one would just meow and want scraps. So, but so who would be your dream dinner, dream dinner date? If you don't Uh, mind me asking, I think one of, one of top people that I, just have admired for so long and is just very influential and I find fascinating is Conan O'Brien. So, uh, you are absolutely correct. Yeah. Conan, I I think we could, I just want to have like a good Irish meal with them. I want like, I want to be in Ireland. That's not, that's never been a caveat that I've given to the question before but i get yeah well i guess i did say wherever whenever um so yeah i just want to be like in ireland with conan at like a pub that does your good basic irish you know stuff irish food fair and just like sharing some pints with him and talking to him and talking he's a huge i mean way would surpass me and he would be like this guy doesn't know anything about history but like talk about history and just talk about family and obviously I would have questions about his career and, you know, that kind of stuff. And maybe just get drunk enough to get him to actually finally say out loud, fuck Jay Leno. It would be fantastic. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to erase my, all my previous, I'm not going to re erase them, but I'm going to put this one above it. <laughs> and, and it's, it's because I've had this experience and because like you, like you mentioning like a location and a plot time and place, I'm like, okay, that is kind of crucial. Mm-hmm. So it would be I'm going to use a memory and then it could go from there. Okay. Um, but when we were in Paris on our honeymoon, me and my wife took a midday break with some footlong hot dogs um by the River Seine midday 
and just sat there and ate like these $3 hot dogs and just talked like in this beautiful city, you know, with pigeons around us. And I love those moments. Those are some of my favorite moments I have with my wife. Mm -hmm. And you could take those moments, simple food and a beautiful occasion with the person you love the most. And I think that's the essence of what I would want is simple food, beautiful occasion, the person I love the most. There you go. So I love it. And like, it's, it's, like I love delicious meals. Like we had a seven course meal on top of the Eiffel Tower, and I will never forget it. And neither will my credit card. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that being said, you know it's like food. Like in the movie, food brings pe- these people together and these loved ones together. And like, you know, y- you share food with someone you love. So I I think that's crucial to enjoying the food even more because you can be vulnerable around someone you love. And your your experience with, so I think you can enjoy, you can have that relationship with that delicious meal that could be promiscuous in some circles. Uh, Brian Wadsworth mean that much more the romantic. I guess. I guess <laughs> it's the big teddy bear. <laughs> big old squishy lizard ter- ter- teddy bear. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm like a little avant-garde ter- teddy bear missing an arm, maybe an eye. Yeah, the, where like the wild arm. things are, your arm just falls off. Uh, <laughs> Kurt Kurt Russell escaped from New York, but a teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, uh, it was great talking with you again. Uh, always, as I said, one of my favorite people to talk films with. And I hope the I hope the foodies. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And uh, please, Kyle, go ahead. Thank you for having me on again. Seriously, this is. <laughs> This is such a wonderful, stressful lever, just enjoying talking movies with people. And that's one thing I miss about college is like really like. Yeah, you're just surrounded by people that have real similar interests. And like like my wife loves movies and we love movies and television together. Like that's one thing that we get and we we enjoy about each other. But like that, you know, that camaraderie, like, you know, it's especially with not being able to go see movies right now. Yeah. Is missing. And this. This right here has done that for me. It's like we went, it's like we just went to go see Fantastic Mr. Fox. I mean, you just got some cheesesteaks and a bottle of champagne. <laughs> so we, we just went to the Riverview Theater and we're walking out. It's like, hey, let's go get some shanks. I got this Miller Lite and the champagne. Let's go sit down the river and talk about the movie. There and we go. And that and that's and that's again a beautiful moment with people you love and enjoy, a simple meal in a beautiful place. So it's perfect. And that, that's that's what this does for me. So thank you, Kyle, for having me. It's always a pleasure and a huge honor oh, to be here. I feel the same, Mr. Wadsworth. <laughs> uh, r- right now, uh, if you tell the foodies where if you want them to, I don't know, follow you on social media or obviously Nicole's podcast, all that all that good stuff. All right. Um, right now I am on Instagram at as at Cucadelphia. Um, and you can also follow my wife's podcast, which is the Kinky Ladies Book Club, where you can find on all your podcast streaming services. Awesome. Uh, you can also find me on the streets of Philly. You can find me at a local beer store. You can find me outside drinking a cup of coffee, <laughs> enjoying the sun, at the beach, in the water, enjoying life, as everyone should try to do their best these days. 
There you go. Wise <laughs> words. Well, uh, last but not least, you said it last time. We got the catchphrase. There's more to cut. If you don't mind telling the foodies out there that there's more to cut. And as always, foodies, when that last slice of key lime pie is off the tray <laughs> and the waitress comes up and says, honey, we got more. There is always more to cut. Beautiful. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy and I feel like I'm loving you. Love you such a sweet thing.